Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Q is 11 and 15 in Hummel's Ward. The Phillies tonight at 10 10 against the Dodgers, 9 35 the airtime. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Pirates and Cubs clean up their series tonight at 7 05. This afternoon, the Red Sox have already defeated Toronto 6-4. to Milwaukee in the top of the eighth inning leads the Cardinals 3-2 at Miller Park. In Cleveland, the Indians are all over the White Sox 9-0 in the bottom of the eighth inning. In the top of the second, Arizona leading the Cincinnati Reds 3-0 at Chase Field. Yankees and Houston play at 6.30 tonight. Speaking of the Yankees in Houston, quite a game last night at the stadium in the Bronx. In the bottom of the ninth inning, the veteran Brett Gardner at the plate, John Sterling at the mic. Now here's the 0-1. Swung on, hit high in the air to deep right. Back goes Springer on the track. He's at the wall, leaps, and it is gone! It's a game-tying two-run home run for Brett Gardner. Gardy goes yardy. Let the Gardy party begin. A two-run home run in the right field seats. And the Yankees get off the deck and tie the game at five. And won the game last night over Houston. Heck of a win. Although, I'll say there's one big question when it comes to Houston, and it involves the Pirates. What does the Houston pitching staff, coaching staff, do that makes Garrett Cole and Charlie Morton better? Something to ponder. All right, big news involving uh, some Penn State basketball and also coaches versus cancer coming up. With that, we bring in the head coach of the Nittany Lions, Patrick Chambers. Coach, welcome. Always great to have you with us. Hey, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. Um, John Rothstein reporting today that Kevin Freeman is going to be joining your staff. What does he bring to the table that will make you better? Wow. Um, not official yet. Uh, not official yet, but it's almost official. But he, uh, big man coach, uh, a proven winner, MVP of the Big East Tournament 1999, the old, the, the old true Big East Um National champion 1999, national champion on the staff in 2014. Um, uh, again, big man coach that's going to develop Mike Watkins and Big Johnny and Trent and Satchel and everybody. Um, so I'm excited about that. And then his recruiting footprint. I haven't done very well recent, in recent years. Where it used to be a stronghold of mine is New Jersey, New York, and the New England area. And I because I came from BU, so he's from Springfield, Mass, but played high school ball in New Jersey. So he's got great ties in that footprint, and that just helps us. Now we're from, you know, the Boston region all the way down to Virginia, and that's, that's where we need to live. And he's been the last seven years at UConn as the director of basketball operations, so he has kept his toe in the water in that region. Yeah, he, he sure has. Um, he, he did such a good job on his interviews. Um, he seems like he's going to really relate to the kids, just like Dwayne Anderson did a uh, great great character great integrity good family man husband and father so i think he's really going to add some 
something new. And, and that's what I was looking for, something new, something fresh, a little bit outside the box. Uh, but I think he's really going to be able to help this current team. But 2019 is a big class for us, and we're going to need some, some bigs in that class. And I think the timing's right to, to bring in a big-man coach who can really develop these kids. What question did you ask where he gave you an answer and you sat back and went, okay, that's my guy? Well, you know, why you? Why should I hire you? You haven't been on the road as consistent as others. And, and he just nailed it with relationships. Uh, I've built relationships over the last seven years. I can help you on the recruiting trial. I can help you in areas that you're, you're not succeeding in. I can help you on the floor where I think Mike Watkins is a tremendous talent, but I could add in some extra things for him to get him better. And John Harar, the confident level that I heard over the phone and then in person was just uh, you know something I felt like we needed. And he felt so sure and confident of himself that I thought, you know what? You know, Ergo's not going to teach the guards, right? <laughs> I'm 5'10". I'm not te- – I mean the bigs. I'm sorry, the bigs. And I just felt like he just felt really good and comfortable in his own skin. And then here, here's the other thing, Steve. He he fits. Like, I think that's really important. We're together 365 days yeah. here. If I go back yeah. and, and rewind, I had originally wanted somebody else for Jimmy Ferry's position. And then I realized, you know what? I don't know if that was the right fit. And then I went and hired Jimmy Ferry because I felt like he was. And this is the same situation. There was other guys ahead of Kevin, but when it came down to it, it just seemed like he he was a really good fit for the family atmosphere that we have, the culture that we've created. Yeah. I want to go into that just for one second, and and then I'll dovetail into coaches versus cancer. But it has to, how important is it for a coach in an organization that all the parts actually do fit and, and there's nothing out of place because of the fine line that there is in sports today? You're right. It's such a fine line these days. Uh, one misstep and, heck, you could be out of a job. One misstep and you could uh, not find success on the floor in the classroom. So it I took my time on this. Obviously, I knew a lot longer than other people that he may like Dwayne Anderson might. But, you know, I wanted to, like I did with Jimmy Ferry, again, took my time, talked to a lot of people, vetted as much as I could to get to know under the hood a little bit of who these candidates are and how they could help us and how they're wired. And are they on the same mission as us? Do they have the same belief and vision and core values that we have? And I just felt like at the end of the day, he fit tremendously better than anybody else. And again, I was looking for a needle in a haystack. Think about this, Steve. I was not only looking for a great human being, because everybody's calling in, you need a recruiter. You need... No, I don't. Number one, I need a great human being. Yeah. Okay, number two, I want the full package. I just don't want a recruiter. I want somebody who can recruit, yeah, but I want somebody who could coach the bigs. So that really reduced yeah. my my pool tremendously. So and then you you want somebody who who's going to be able to uh, relate to the kids and what they're going through as a player. And he's done that. He's played in big games. He's <laughs> won championships. The guy is a flat out winner. Just like Dwayne Anderson was, I was looking for a winner, somebody that can really give us a good outlook and good experiences and great knowledge. Heck, he played for one of the a Hall of Fame coach in Jim Calhoun. Yeah. 
I mean, there's so much you can take away from this guy. And, and that's the way when he left, I felt that way. I think our entire staff did because this wasn't a, a you know, it wasn't me making this decision. Obviously, I'm the end result. Sure. But I felt like each and every guy in our in our office spent a great deal of time with them, and we all came to the same conclusion. It's also been another time where the APR scores were released. It was another great uh, APR score for so many programs of Penn State, including yours. When you sit there and, and you try to rec- you talk about recruiting, how important has it been to recruit the total package of individual that not only can compete and win championships for you, but also win the classroom? It's hard. Uh, again, go, going back to the needle in the haystack, you know, Penn State's a unique place. Yeah. You know, there's no basket weaving. There's no bowling, not to my knowledge anyway, Steve. And, and so we got to find kids that, need, that are going to go to class that are want to want to go to class because we do class checks, who are going to uh, understand the structure that we're putting forth for them in order to graduate after their four or five years. So it's very difficult to do. Uh, I'm very upfront with them before they decide to come to Penn State uh, of what we do, how we do it, why we do it, and they really got to buy into that. And for the most part, in our tenure, we've done a very, very good job of bringing in the right kids that are into getting their degree, that go to class, that that are doing a good job in the community. Also now, that doing a good job in the community. There will be two areas where Penn State basketball will be deeply involved with the community coming up in the next 48 hours. And one of them, we'll talk about coaches versus cancer in a moment. But several of your players are going to volunteer their time at Special Olympics. Yeah. How important is that, that that they get involved in something like that? And uh, and what do you think they get out of it? Because it's not just what they give, but they also get a lot out of it. They sure do. I always say we're blessed. Yes. We're, we are absolutely yep. blessed. Steve, I coach basketball for a living. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Right? We're blessed. You're blessed. Oh. You talk about I, sports all day long. Are you I, serious? I mean, I mean, I have the candy store jobs over at the mall. Uh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. And, and they're blessed. They get to go to Penn State. What an incredible institution. They get to go for free. They get a stipend. They get the latest gear. They travel beautifully. They play in the Big Ten. They're on team. We're blessed. We're blessed. So let's give back. Let's not take this for granted. And I think when they uh, show up for Special Olympics and they look around, the goal is to put smiles on, on those children's faces or whoever's faces to, to say, hey, we're here to, we're here to support you. You support us during the year. We see you guys all the time. Now we're going to support you, and we're going to have a great time doing this. So I think it's really important that our guys – there's a lot of lessons to be learned when, you, when you're involved with the Special Olympics. Now coaches versus cancer. We talked about the chance to go over $3 million. <laughs> What has been the uh, the importance of making sure that as you raise money, it's done as a first-class event? Yeah, the committee, Steve, you and I both know it, it's the committee. They, they are yep. so uh, incredibly loyal and driven um, by this, you know, this tournament, not just this tournament, because there's so many tournaments throughout the year, or, or there's so many events, I'm sorry, throughout the year to fight cancer. And, and they're, they're the driving force. 
You know, I went to the committee meeting last night, and they are so organized. They are so detailed. Scott Walker does a great job. Wendy does yeah. a great job. Tess, Andrew, all these. They're, they're just amazing at what they do. And, and I'm just a guy out front. <laughs> I'm just a guy out front. Yeah. But they, they do all the legwork, and that's why it's a first-class event. That's why every year people want to keep coming back. Because, you know, they can be like, oh, another year, another CBC. No, no, no. No, no, no. This is going to be by far the best one of the year. We got some great giveaways, some great prizes. It's back at Medler Field uh, Thursday night, uh, obviously tomorrow, May 31st. That's going to be a blast. The auction items are off the charts. Did you hear about the new one, the U.S. Open for three days? Yeah. That just... I mean, cvcpennstate.org, got to go on there, start bidding on some stuff now. And then Friday, June 1st, it's, you know, we still have some spots open. If we don't have enough spots, we'll figure out something. We'll, we'll, figure, we'll figure out something. But it's just an amazing event. And the fact that you could go over $3 million, where this thing started and originated, I think at the Tavern with Bruce, and then Jerry adds in the golf, and this thing is absolutely taken off. And you know what else, Steve? The money's going to stay right here. Yeah. Most of it anyway. Right. It stays right here. Because you and I both know, somebody just got a bad phone call. Somebody just got yeah. some bad news. And now someone else, a caregiver, is thinking, okay, wait a second, what's the plan here? Right. I need help. And guess what? We're here to help you. And that's what this is all about. And again, you know, people can still get involved even at this late date. So do it. All right, get involved even at this late day because as far as we're concerned, it's never too late. And and go over $3 million in this market, okay? Okay, no offense, but this is a small market. To go over $3 million fundraising at an event like this in a market this size is remarkable. It is. It, it just that's another thing. It just shows the generosity of the people in this community, the the sponsors, obviously the businesses and people around town. It just uh, there's so much love and care for each other. That's why it makes it so special. You're special, my friend. Appreciate it very much. We will see you tomorrow night. Steve, let's have a blast, buddy. And Coach Patrick Chambers of the Alliance, still to come, by the way, on the show. Matt Leon on the Brian Colangelo situation in Philadelphia with the Sixers. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Our thanks to Patrick Chambers for being on the show today. Also, our thanks to Dan Devine, the NBA writer for Yahoo Sports, for joining us on the show today. Breaking down the Cavaliers and the Warriors. And uh, tomorrow, Dieter Kurtenbach is going to be on the show from the Mercury News. We'll talk to him about uh, the NBA Finals. And also uh, Stephen Bardo from BTN on tomorrow. Hmm. Not bad. Where are we finding all these people? Yeah, we'll know. just keep rolling along, you know. It's like you know, every time I turn around, you know, it's what, the well is supposed to be dry. Not yet. Yeah. You would think, though. Well, I mean, there, you know. Of course, next week's the Belmont Stakes, and we'll get Dick Girardi back on. You know, what's really interesting about about horse racing is that they don't pull over and pit. They just keep racing. No, no water break? 
No, no water break. Like, and they, they start and they go to the finish line, and whomever gets their first wins. And not only that, usually there's passing. <laughs> Very true. That's not funny. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Oh, that's right. Last year when we had uh, Lafine Pinkai on, uh, he, he correctly, yeah. on the money, nailed down the winner for the Belmont. Let me get back in yes, touch with did, him. Yes, he did, as a matter of yeah. fact. He did. No, Lafine's good. And Dick has, uh, um, Dick has nothing but great things to say about Lafitte. So, um, all right. So that's next week, and that'll be the big story next week. Well, at least we think. At least I mean, obviously, what's, what's happening with uh, Cavs and the Warriors? Oh, and by the way, the Capitals and uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are playing tonight. Wow. Uh, that was quite an opening game. It's the kind of game that... Uh... If my math is right, and yesterday was the first day in, what, 26 days? Close to that, where we did not have an NBA or NHL playoff game. There was nothing on yesterday. Yeah. Not I'd, a, wait, wait a... till, I'd wait till 10 for the Phillies last night. So. Yeah. <laughs> I was busy taking out the trash. Yeah. And, yeah. Or you heard these words. Oh, great. The Pirates have to go to the bullpen. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, well, Anthony Rizzo's in the headlines again. Oh, wouldn't you know? But but I think it's a legitimate question. I think over the years, it's obvious Ray Searage has done a very good job with the Pirates pitching staff. And you can't do what he did with a Francisco Liriano, for example, where he rehabilitated his career, and he did so brilliantly. Okay, so I give him all the credit in the world, but there's also an organizational philosophy that I have never agreed with, and I saw it firsthand here with the spikes when the pirates, uh, where the spikes were affiliated with the pirates for six years. They pitch count their pitchers so much where they baby them, and I don't think they, I'm not so sure they get better for it. Why is it that Charlie Morton and Garrett Cole and Cole had a couple of good years with the Pirates, there's no question about that. Morton really struggled with Pittsburgh. Now what is it now where you're looking at Charlie Morton and Garrett Cole both in Houston and why are they doing as well as they're doing and not only not doing as well as they're doing why is Garrett Cole pitching so deep in the games you didn't do that in Pittsburgh you didn't do that I mean I think it's just a, it's a it's a question to ponder now maybe it's maybe it's the the time of in their careers the time their lives whatever it may be a maturity okay uh, it very well may be the answer. But, wow. Those are two guys that went to Houston, and they both got better. Why? The Pirates do not have... Here. Here's a major problem for them, and this is something I've talked about before, and this goes against analytics. 
This goes against all the analytics. So if Brian Kenny of MLB Network's on, he'd rail on me for saying this. But you, your number one starter has got to be has to have the ability of three out of five starts to give you seven innings. How long did Jake Arrieta go last night? I mean, to me, that that is a big that's a big item. Now, why is that important? You have to have a guy three out of five times do that for you because you do need to save your bullpen. Innings that you're trying to eat up right now with your bullpen are maybe tired innings you're attempting to eat up in mid to late August. Just a thought. Brian Colangelo in deep trouble in Philadelphia. Matt Leon explains next half hour. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's When Wharf. it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mirth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The the other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC Way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC Way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guys' way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Our thanks to Patrick Chambers, who joined us in the previous half hour. And also to Dan Devine from Yahoo Sports, who joined us in the... uh, 3.30 half hour to break down the NBA Finals between the Cavaliers and the Warriors. Now let's get into these problems with the Philadelphia 76ers. This should be a time of great joy in Philadelphia. Great joy. Why? I mean, they're, they're coming off their best NBA season in years. Uh, they Looked like a team that has staying power for a long period of time. Brian Colangelo is one of the guys that helped put it together, yet he is in deep trouble. And again, how often do we hear those words? He's in trouble over something on Twitter. How often do we hear that? Well, with that, we go down to Philadelphia and bring in our good friend from KYW. Matt Leon, Matt, welcome back. Great to hear you. Uh, keeping busy. Hope all's well with you. Yeah, all's well with us up here. No problem at all. Uh, not all well with Brian Colangelo. He should be riding high after a successful Sixers run, but at the moment he's not. Explain to everybody what he is accused of doing. 
Oh, good luck with <laughs> getting this right. Uh, well, basically, it sounds like uh, the ringer had a really deep dive, and I encourage people to, to read the story to, to really kind of get your heads around this. But uh, they got a tip from an anonymous uh, that they're still not sure who it is. It was uh, through social media that alerted them to five uh, basically what they call burner Twitter accounts. Uh, that they believed were all run by Brian Colangelo. And uh, the story presents an awful lot of evidence that makes a very, very solid case that uh, if it's not Colangelo, it's somebody very close to his universe. Uh, and these accounts had uh, put, put up information that only really uh, a kind of need-to-know information that uh, only the highest-ranking uh, people would have. Uh, some of the other accounts kind of uh, were criti- criticized, Sixers players like Joel Embiid and Markel Fultz and uh, questioned coaching decisions and also uh, you know, made uh, comments about the man in Toronto, the GM in Toronto who replaced Brian Colangelo, and also uh, kind of adding fabric to all this or threading the fabric is that uh, the, the accounts also like live-tweeted some of the games for the college that Brian Colangelo's son plays basketball at. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a there's an awful lot of smoke here. Uh, this morning, the Sixers put out a statement that they were uh, looking into this, but th- this is, I've seen a lot of bizarre things. Uh, this is right at the top as far as uh, stories I- I've had to look into. Was there a piece of information that was put out there that was considered to be the key piece of information where you sat back and went, wait a minute. Hold on, this could only come from. Was there anything like that, or just a series? Well, there was something about Jaleel Okafor. Uh, these Twitter accounts that are uh, believed to be, you know, or connected to, to Colangelo, which we at Sixers reporter and asked them, uh, you know, asked Jaleel Okafor about the failed physical that cost the trade, and uh, there was never a report of a failed physical, so if that would be the type of thing that only you know a GM or the people right in that circle would know. Uh, one of the interesting things is when the author of the piece for The Ringer reached out to the 76ers, uh, he only mentioned two of the accounts in question. Okay. And once they got an answer from Colangelo, as soon as that went back and forth, the the author of the article noticed that the other accounts that are being involved here all of a sudden went private. They had been public. <laughs> so, all you know, it could be this wild coincidence, but it would appear that somehow word got out that they're on to this. And uh, that's a pretty, pretty damning uh, conclusion or coincidence to a... Uh, to make of all this. The whole thing is just bizarre, and it comes, I don't think you could draw up a worse time for it to come with the Sixers, you know, getting ready for the draft, and more importantly, getting ready for the biggest free agent offseason uh, the franchise has had in a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, no question. But they also inked Brett Brown to a three-year contract extension through all this. Oh, oh, by the way, yeah, that's actually been an oh, by the way, in all my sportscasts today because uh, there's just no room for it. Not a surprise uh, after the year. I think it was just a matter of when and for how long. Uh, I mean, that's good. That's very good. Brett did a phenomenal job, but I was glad to see Brett Brown finally get the credit this year uh, for how good a coach he is. But uh, that that news has been dwarfed ad infinitum by this bigger news or 
uh, more uh, colorful news about the possibility of this Twitter situation with Colangelo. Yet those burner accounts at times criticize some of the coaching moves that were going along the way. So is this contract extension one of those, like, you know, where Brown deserves it. You and I both know that. And, I mean, Brown would have deserved it even if the Sixers had not done what they did this year. I think he's a really good coach. Does that deflect at all that, well, see, I mean, that can't be me. I signed into a contract extension. Uh, I don't know, because this, the thing about this, another thing that I think makes it so, is that the, the length of these accounts is, is so long, you know, that uh, <laughs> I, it, it's hard to believe that if this is some kind of a ruse, that someone would take this this type of attention to detail for this long to stuff uh I think Brett Brown, the contract thing, their run uh, through the end of the regular season and through the playoffs really kind of demanded this, regardless of, you know, it's one of those where regardless of what, if someone in the front office truly isn't a believer, uh, there's not enough political capital to not make this move at at this point. Uh, And, you know, right now the – Amazingly, in the last 24 hours, the Sixers have turned into a situation where you need all the stability you can get. Yeah. So uh, it's it's really really something. Like, it, and once again, I guess the, the the article is very well done. Go and if you're going to read it, you got to read it. You can't be doing three different things and have a bunch of different tabs open. Really dive into it and, and to keep all the the pieces separate and and understand how it all ties together. It paints a pretty damning picture. How surprising is – I don't know how well you know Brian Colangelo. I don't know him at all. Uh, how surprising is it based on what you know about him and the fact that, you know, from the family he comes from? I don't know him at all. I've only covered the press conferences, you know, by rolling on them back at the studio and all. Uh, but uh, it's hard to say when you don't know anyone, but – Given things I've heard, that, and uh, one of the other interesting things is kind of in the, the postscript of this situation, a lot of the Sixers beat writers have said that a lot of the information out there is stuff they had heard off the record. Right. And that, you know, so this is information that's out there, but it's only in the tightest of circles. And uh, also, what was one of the other things that uh, Adrian Wojciechowski tweeted that uh, that's breaking out of my head right now but um i think that oh he said that uh adrian wichahowski said that a lot of the things that were put up on these accounts were things that had been known in and out of the organization that had come from colangelo making it uh, uh the, these were kind of uh, the same types of thought process and same types of the talking points for lack of a better term that people had heard uh, in and out of the organization uh, that had been attributed to Colangelo. So that's making it harder and harder to try to, to distance uh, yourself. And you know what? As far as uh, how possible this is, uh, even not knowing him, in this day and age, nothing surprises me anymore. No. I really, you know, the, the length people are capable of to, to prove a point or to get out of proving a point, uh, I mean, this is the type of thing. I don't know if it'll ever be proven definitively. I don't know if there's stuff you can do forensically with IP addresses and right. phones and stuff like that to figure it out. But it is uh, taken in its totality. It is hard to see a scenario that this isn't involving him some way or another, uh, just because of the finer points and, and everything surrounding it. 
Draft is in three and a half weeks. Free agency's in five. How quickly do the Sixers need to have this resolved? I think one way or the other, honestly, by the weekend. I mean, this really, they, you can't let this linger because it's a laughing stock type story. Mm-hmm. They need to clear the decks of this one way or the other as quickly as possible. My friend, always a pleasure and always a very interesting. <laughs> Appreciate it very uh, much. We, we, you're, you're welcome. We, we keep it interesting around here, that's for sure. <laughs> Even the winning's interesting. All yeah, right. tell you what. <laughs> it's crazy. Even the in it winning is interesting. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon, Matt. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Matt Leon, KYW in Philadelphia. Scoreboard. Red Sox beat Toronto today, 6-4 Fenway. At Progressive, Cleveland beat the White Sox 9-1. In the bottom of the fourth inning at Chase Field in Phoenix, Arizona and the Reds are 4-4. And just gone final, the Brewers have beaten the Cardinals 3-2. to Pirates tonight play the Cubs and the Phillies in Game 2 of their series. After winning last night 6-1, to we'll take on the Dodgers. 10-10 first pitch, 9-35 the airtime here on News Radio 1070 WKOK and on WKOK.com. We'll come back, wrap up the show in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. And the Phillies and Dodgers are coming up tonight. 10-10, 9.35 the airtime here on News Radio 1070. WKOK, the SEC meetings are going on right now, and, of course, they bring with them you know, some news because, I mean, you know, obviously Nick Saban's going to have press conferences and so forth. Uh, and Saban was talking about the transfer rule in the SEC. Yeah, you know, Steve Spurrier, when he was at Florida and at South Carolina, said, look, I just let guys go where they want to go. I, at some point, I mean, they want to go, let them go. You know, I don't, you know, if they want to go from South Carolina to Missouri, I don't care. If they want to go from Ohio State to Illinois, I don't care. Yeah, it's just... It, I go back to the Bo Ryan thing. Bo Ryan did not want Jared Udoff essentially transferring to any school in the Big Ten, especially Iowa, which is where Udoff grew up. But he also then expanded it and put down every ACC school. And somebody said, what the heck did he put all the ACC schools there? Oh, because Wisconsin is in the ACC challenge, like Penn State is, every year. So he didn't want to face them because he didn't know what matchup he'd get. Well, you know, that just showed the absurdity of the transfer blocking and eventually, Udoff was allowed to transfer wherever he wanted. And he ended up going to Iowa. Well, you know what? What the moral of the story is, Udoff went to Iowa, played well, had a really good career there, and helped Iowa. At the same time Udoff transferred out to Iowa, how badly did everything go for Wisconsin? Oh, they made the Final Four back-to-back years. I mean, come on. If, you, if you're good, yeah, there's a reason why guys aren't playing. There are always reasons why they aren't playing, and if it opens up for them someplace else, so be a fine. Yeah, you can't be so insecure about every little thing that's just going to destroy what you're doing. I said, come on. Now, the other part, too, is that the SEC coaches are complaining. I think you'll hear the Big Ten coaches say the same thing. They're going to have a 20-headset rule this year. You're only allowed to have people, there are only going to be 20 headsets, and you're only allowed to have 
each one used by one person. Now, now you automatically have 11 coaches, head coach and 10 assistants. Now, how do you divvy up the other nine? You want to have certain individuals charting plays for you, unless you want to know what the play call is before you start. Sometimes you have people relaying plays in on the sideline. Now, part of this is the growing concern over the size of staffs in college football. Uh, And no offense, I don't see that as an issue about the growing size of staffs. In college football or in men's basketball, they make the cash. Okay? They make the cash. Uh, and at some point, there's got to be some realization that the, that there is a bottom line to this. Okay? And the bottom line is, is that those who are making it should be allowed to have more leeway with it. And if that means unlimited number of headsets and things like that to, to run an efficient operation, then so be it. Limiting it to 20. I mean, Gus Malzahn said today it's a joke. So I think uh, they've that's got the ability to hurt our game. It's, it's uh, That actually is a big deal. Nick Saban said, I don't know who's driving all this stuff, but to me it's kind of like mouse manure when you're up to your ears and elephant doo-doo. Uh, and there are bigger problems in, in in college football, basketball, which you know the Rice Commission just addressed, and they're sitting there passing headset rules. Great. I mean, Jerry Tarkanian was not far off when he said the NCAA is so mad at Kentucky basketball they put Wichita State on probation. That's why when you see stuff like this, we're going to limit the number of headsets. Who cares how many headsets you have? You got a bigger staff, you got a bigger staff, so be it. Doesn't mean you're more efficient or better. So even though it sounds like a small thing, you know, It's not a small thing when you keep putting restrictions on uh, the entities that are making money for you. And and there's a bottom line to that. And I'm not saying waste. I I never want to see a waste of anything. I don't want to see a waste of money, a waste of time, a waste of energy. I don't want to see any of that. But I'm around this enough where I can tell you that that the the people that are, you know, they're hired to do this, that all work hard. There's not anybody that's lallygagging on a football or basketball staff. Uh, I mean, they've got jobs, responsibilities, and guess what? It, it, a lot of energy goes into what they're doing and a lot more than just eight hours a day. Right? It's just the way everything has grown over the years. It's just the way it is. And you've got to be able to look at your cash sports. And part of your responsibility, I think, is to make sure 
from a national administrative point of view, say national administrative point of view, is not to give them autonomy, but at the same time, look, what tools do you need to make this work for you at the best level? Because what you're going to do is going to allow us to support this long list of sports and student-athletes in, in other areas. And that's something that's got to be looked into. Uh, to me, it's, uh, you've got to look into that stuff. You, gotta th- you have to think that way. You know, because in a business model, in a pure business model, okay, the only sport, there are not many sports that would survive in a pure business model. A pure business model, they don't survive. In the collegiate business model, almost everybody gets to survive. Almost everybody gets to survive in the current collegiate business model. But the only reason that everybody gets to survive in the collegiate business model is because of the money brought in by football and men's basketball. It's the only reason. It's the only reason. So what tools do they need to operate at maximum efficiency? Because what they do does have a domino effect on everybody else. And their success has a domino effect on everybody else. Doesn't take a genius to look at the numbers. The numbers tell you the whole story. And even though it seems like it's a small thing, it's a big thing. I go back to story years ago where the Big Ten was trying to solve Powerade schools versus Gatorade schools when they go on the road. So they came up with the idea of putting these Big Ten jackets over the opposing, the visiting team water jugs. Right, And at the bottom of the memo, oh, by the way, you're allowed to take 70 players on the road instead of 66. That was at the bottom of the memo. Michigan actually played a game on the road that week with 66 players. Because they didn't read the bottom of the memo. They just looked at it and go, oh, it's Powerade Gatorade. Your station for news, weather, business, and CBS Sports Radio. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and on WKOK.com.